Welcome to another session of the SAS Talk Podcast, a space where we unpack the complex and ever-evolving world of software as a service. In this podcast, we explore the impact that software tools have on the way you live, learn, work, and create, and we break down the mechanisms behind how and why these tools can help you evolve. I'm Diego, your host for this podcast, and my mission is to bridge the gap between you and the digital tools that help skyrocket your productivity. Now, speaking of productivity, in this session, we're going to cover what it takes to build your own productivity toolbox. You might be working with tools already, you might not be, you might have a workflow that's either manual or automated, whatever the case is, at some point in our lives, on our in our careers, in our educational journeys, in our freelance journeys, whatever we're doing, at some point, we always are looking for some type of new technology to help us achieve more. And in this session, I'm going to focus on seven steps to help you identify and select a new SaaS tool to add to your toolbox. There's a level of frustration and a level of excitement that comes with selecting and procuring a new SaaS tool, either for yourself or for your team or for your company. And so these seven steps are designed to equip you with the strategies and a simple process for going about your next product hunt. And if you stay till the end of this session, I have a bonus for you. Yes, I said a bonus. And that bonus is something that's going to help equip you with everything that we talked about in this session today and a little bit of interactivity to ensure you've got the right tactics and processes in place for whenever you have to go on a new product hunt. Without further ado, let's talk SaaS. All right, all right, all right. So I said seven steps to choosing your next SaaS tool. How did I get all of this consolidated into seven steps? Well, Let's first outline what those steps are, and then we'll dive deep into each step and ensure you are moving in the right direction. Step one is to understand the importance of building your digital toolbox. Step two is to find your specific purpose, which has to do a lot with your use cases, and we'll break that down further. Step three, define what productivity means for you. Step four, Research top picks for tools. Step five, create a testing strategy. Step six, analyze and synthesize your results. And last but not least, step seven, making a final decision. So if you're ready to get started, let's move along. Step one is understanding the importance of building a productivity toolbox. Listen, this is about optimizing your workflow, becoming more productive. Digital productivity toolboxes are essential to our daily lives. If you think about SaaS in terms of life and work and at your education, maybe you're in school, whatever the case is, we're all using some type of digital application on our phone, on our computer to help us achieve something productive, whether that's writing a school paper, writing a project brief for your company, writing a contract for your freelance work actually doing the freelance work, designing websites. I mean, the use cases could go on for days and days, but at the end of the day, we are coming to one realization. Digital SaaS applications are helping make this possible. And by using various SaaS tools, 
you can streamline your daily tasks and create a more efficient and effective work environment. These tools can range from project management software to communication platforms like Teams or Slack, and these are all designed to help you stay organized and focused on your unique goals. With a well-curated digital toolbox, you can save time, reduce stress, and achieve greater success in your personal and professional life, and this is all about taking your productivity to the next level. So when we think about building our digital toolbox, it is with that first thing in mind. It is important because it is helping us evolve both as individuals and as a team player. When you start by understanding the importance of how something is going to help you evolve, then it becomes justified to then embark on that journey. When you've given yourself a foundation of saying, this is important to me, finding the right product for my workflow so that I can do the best work I can do, that's the start. Then we move on to step two, finding your purpose. Find your purpose. I cannot stress this enough. There are so many times when you might start looking for a new tool, but you don't have a North Star. You don't have a guiding principle. You don't have that thing that you're reaching for. In other words, a goal. Finding your purpose and fully understanding your use case is the most essential part when selecting a new productivity tool or set of tools. This means identifying the specific problems you need to solve and how you prefer to solve them. Doing so honors the age-old adage, beginning with the end in mind. Shout out to Covey. But that's the case here. Begin with the end in mind. For example, would you like to manage projects more efficiently or collaborate with your team in one place? Perhaps you need to track your ideas with clients or improve your time management skills. Whatever your purpose, it's crucial to ensure you select software to align with your use case, rather than limiting your use case to align with the features built into the software. Let me repeat that. Do not bow down to the software. The software bows down to your use case. You don't want to have a use case that's grand in the sky, and rightfully so, and then you go look for tools and you're like, well, I like the way that this one looks and therefore I want to go with this one, but it does like half of the things that are going to help support my use case. It just looks great. No, 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 no. You're going to eventually end up moving to another tool because you're limiting your use case around features in the software when it's supposed to be the other way around. Now, how do you go about doing this? I take a bit of a philosophical approach here. And you may agree, you may disagree, but let's start with this. Create your own mission statement. Yes, your own mission statement. What is your primary goal as a freelancer, as a team, as an organization? Whatever you're using or looking to procure as a new software solution for yourself or for your team, what is your primary goal? What is your mission? And what are some of the overarching components of your goal that are going to help you fulfill it? There are kind of three core components of a mission statement I've identified. This isn't by no means is like, you know, a strict formula. But to help us get along, here's a quick formula to help you devise your own mission statement. First, start with a primary goal. Then, outline what your objective is to fulfill that goal. And last, who 
are you trying to help? Who is your target audience? So let's come up with a hypothetical company here. Let's do ABC Technology Solutions. ABC Technology Solutions is dedicated to revolutionizing the digital landscape for businesses worldwide by providing cutting-edge software solutions that drive efficiency, productivity, and growth. So the formula is baked into that one mission statement. Not in the same sequence, it doesn't have to be, but it touches on all those components. Check it out. ABC Technology Solutions is dedicated to, here's the primary goal, revolutionizing the digital landscape. That's the overall goal. For businesses worldwide, there's the audience, by providing cutting-edge software solutions that drive efficiency, productivity, and growth. That's the objective. Provide cutting-edge software solutions. So we have our goal, audience, and objective baked into one statement. Here's the last example. At Jane Doe Coaching, our mission is to inspire individuals. There's the audience. To unlock their full potential and achieve personal and professional growth. There's the goal. By guiding our clients in embracing their unique strengths, overcoming challenges, and creating a fulfilling life of purpose and success. There's your objective. Now, why is that important? Your entire testing process, your entire search process, your research, is going to center around that mission statement. At least it should. So if we think about ABC Technology Solutions, for example, their core objective was to provide cutting-edge software solutions that drive efficiency, productivity, and growth. So how does that translate to, a, let's say, a project management tool? Well, the projects, information, and workflows that are going to be housed across their departments and their teams are going to have various features, integrations, and automations that help them provide cutting-edge software solutions. They'll have product management built into their platform. They'll have project management built into their platform as well. They're going to have workflow automations built into their platform. So we can start to see how the tool we need to leverage to help support our goal, objective, or our audience starts to come into play. And if we think about audience, well, if your audience is to help businesses worldwide, then you might need a tool like a customer relationship management platform, CRM, to help manage the different clients and businesses you're helping. It's that simple. That is why it is crucial to come up with a mission statement that is going to serve as your North Star for both research and testing throughout the entire process. While philosophical, it becomes a practical asset in your search. All right, let's move on to step three. Define productivity for yourself. Now, you're going to map out some core needs in your mission statement, but you have to think about what productivity means for your use case. The word productive, by definition, is achieving or producing a significant amount of something. But it's up to you to define what that something is. So let's talk about a couple of somethings that are quite common when looking for a new tool you might need to be more productive with managing projects and tasks. You might need to be more productive writing documentation, 
whether an essay or an entire marketing campaign. Maybe your team needs to be more productive in sharing ideas with one another. Maybe you need to be more productive designing software or a website or content for your social media page. Whatever the case is, you're starting to see, clearly define what productivity means for you. Because when you do that, you can start now to shape the vision of how your tool might help you produce whatever it is you're looking to produce. So in this case, if I say, I need to be productive with managing projects and tasks, well, a work and project management software is gonna help you do that. If you need to be more productive writing documentation, well, Google Docs, Microsoft Word, ClickUp, Notion, they might help with that. You start to see the different possibilities that arise when you clearly define what does productivity mean for you. So here's my recommendation. Create a mind map. If you think about a mind map, like a big spider web, there's always this center piece where the entire web evolves from. And so when you think about the center circle, that center piece, that is your main use case. I say, I need to be more productive with managing my projects. What is that going to entail? Start to break it down even further. Managing projects is my center use case to help fulfill whatever my mission statement was. And managing projects might could be broken down into like subcategories. Maybe I need to track work, proof different designs with my team, chat with clients, upload files. But you'll notice that those four subcategories I just sounded off are all stemming from the center need to manage my projects to going back to ABC Technology Solutions, deliver cutting edge software to businesses worldwide. Step four is researching tools. This is the fun part. I, this is actually totally fun. You get to go online and you get to type in work management software in Google and or, or brainstorming software in Google or Bing and you kind of get to you know have some fun. I highly recommend that you don't do that. What happens when you search for tools on a search engine is you're gonna get a ton of ads. You're gonna get the tools that are running their Google search engine or Bing search engine campaigns, and they're targeting those keywords, work management, brainstorming, whiteboarding, content design, whatever type of software you're looking for, it's, it's most likely they're targeting those keywords. So generally, when you conduct a search, a general one on a search engine, you're going to get a list of software that's coming up and you probably see right next to it the word ad, ad, ad. And even if that's not the case, that's not the ideal way to search for software solutions. So you might turn to things like listicles and software directories. Here is a recommendation, of course. I highly recommend you visit dtechcube.com slash top picks altogether so that you can just see what we've curated as a set of tools that work, that have been tested, that are proofed, that we, we provide reviews for, we provide a breakdown for, links to the software, places that you can learn that software, all of it. dtechcube.com, we highly recommend for building your productivity toolbox. We've removed a lot of the guesswork for you. However, 
there are other user-generated review sites that are more like software directories. I will caution you that these sites I'm about to name off are kind of big. <laughs> I often refer to them as software dumps, and that's not to crap on them, but there's there's a little bit, there, there's just way too much software in there for you to look at them and say, okay, what what am I going to do? Which solution am I going to go with? Because there's just so much. So I highly recommend you start with our top picks. But if you want to read user-generated reviews, which we highly recommend as well, you can head to g2crowd.com. You can also head to Captera and get app. So G2Crowd, Captera, that's C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A, or get app. Uh, even software advice. Those are all great sites that are, again, software directories. They're huge. They're not trying to curate the best tools for you per se, but you can find a lot of great user reviews there. And we primarily use those sites to just get a pulse on what people are saying about those products, which helps us understand the market's response to those products and their features. So those are places where you can do some research. And again, we recommend going to a specific place for software like dtechcube.com or the sites I've mentioned, rather than doing a, a general search engine search, which is going to take you through a loop and you're going to go through a ton of sales pitches. You don't want that. You want facts and you want resources. Now, most important, most important is considering your cost and budget. Some people leave this for last, not me. I always bring this to the forefront. Your cost and your budget, start with that. Have you ever looked at like a product or even an apartment or searching for something you want to buy and you're looking at the product and you're falling in love with maybe its features and this could be a physical product too, like a new pair of shoes and you just love the way you look and then you look at the price tag and you're like, oh my gosh, not happening. Can't do that. Can't actually buy this. Next. You just wasted your time looking at that amazing product. Don't bother with tools that are just outside of your budget. Here's what we recommend. If you're checking out a software tool, go straight to the pricing page. This kind of sounds like what I grew up with. I grew up with a mom, God bless her, who we walked into a store straight back to the clearance section. We ignored the entire front of the store. The entire front of the store didn't exist because that's where most expensive stuff is, right? All the uh, sales associates are responsible for pushing those to the front. I used to work in retail, so I know what this is like. So you just run to the back of the store. There's the clearance section. There's all the stuff that's going to be on sale. I want you to have that same mentality. Shout out to mom. But that is the same mentality I want you to have. Go straight to the pricing page and see, is this even a tool I can even consider as part of my budget? So we have to make sure we prioritize our cost and our budget before diving into all the fancy features and the bells and whistles it offers. You also want to consider licensing models. So monthly subscriptions and annual subscriptions are the top two licensing models for a SaaS solution. You can pay monthly, which is of course is at a bit of a greater cost than if you were to do on an annual basis. Sometimes you shave off 20, 30, 45%, whatever the case is, those two are the most common. I'm a monthly subscription guy, especially when you're testing out a software. If you have the option, start with monthly. You can always change to annual in most of these tools, and some of those tools will even prorate your cost if you're buying it mid-month. It gives you the option to test it out even more for a couple of months after we talk about how to go about our testing strategy in a couple of minutes, but 
monthly is the way to go so that you have more time for testing before a longer commitment. And if you're just ready for the long haul, go for it. Start an annual subscription. If the tool only has an annual subscription, most of them offer some type of money back guarantee. So check with the tool that you're researching. While you're researching, assess the vendor's reputation and options for support. Go on Twitter, go on Facebook, go on Instagram, check out their social profiles. Are they active? Are they responding to people who engage with them? I'm going to shout out two companies that are doing an amazing job with um, social media marketing. I'd say that is ClickUp. Um, one of the things I love about ClickUp is they literally, I mean, to my knowledge, they respond to almost every single person who mentions them in a tweet. It's pretty incredible. Monday.com has been doing a great job at this too. So there are, there are a lot of tools that just have a great social presence. And that tells you that they care about their customers in a sense that they're going to engage and interact over these social channels. Um, and generally, that's because they have really the feature set to back it up. And look for how people are responding to their product. Are people publicly slandering their product? Are people, are you seeing a trend of people moving from one product to another on Twitter? You know, those are the types of things you just want to take a, a quick look at and get a pulse on. Support options are, of course, also very important. When you go to that tool site, go to their help center. Make sure they have a knowledge base in place. If they don't have a knowledge base, to be honest, run. A, a tool without a knowledge base makes absolutely no sense. As a knowledge manager myself, a knowledge base is a crucial component to any SaaS solution that you're working with because you want a resource center that you can visit at any time when you need help. Some tools also offer tutorials and guides. Some tools have created their own kind of you know, university, ClickUp University, Webflow University. These are honestly like online academies where you get to take courses and tutorials to learn how to use the tool. Very, very helpful. Step five, create a testing strategy. This is my favorite. Here's what you want to start with. Free trials. Yes, free trials are everything. If your tool offers a free trial or a free version of their tool that you can test and get a feel for, I recommend that 100%. At DTechQ, we use a four-step framework that we feel encompasses most of the questions and items you need to be looking for when you're conducting your testing process. We call it the ACED framework. That's A-C-E-D. So in other words, we determine whether the tool ACED the test. Check it out. A is for accessibility. That evaluates the tool's ease of use and cost to feature ratio. It answers questions like, is the tool easy to use? Does it have an intuitive layout? Is the tool easy to learn? Is it affordable and worth the cost? Those are some of the questions the accessibility portion answers. The C in ACE is for compatibility. It evaluates the compatibility across devices and integrations with other tools that you might already have in your toolbox. It answers questions like, is the tool compatible with the most common devices and platforms, like desktop apps or my Android phone? It also answers the question, can the tool seamlessly integrate with other tools? The E in ACE framework is for extendability. It evaluates the tool's ability to handle multiple use cases and scale beyond your requirements when you need it. It answers the questions, can it accommodate various use cases? 
and are the core and advanced features that I need for my use case scalable? And last is D, dependability. This evaluates the tool's reliability for uptime and support, along with, and I talked about this in session one, its ability to serve as a single source of truth. So with the ACEST framework, you have a pretty good four-step framework to help you identify all the important parts of your testing process. Then it comes time for creating test scenarios. Kind of a fun part. The test scenarios are specific examples, the real-world application of how you're going to use a certain tool. Now, a test scenario example might be, I need to manage my client information inside of a interconnected database. Another example might be, I need to create tasks directly from chat messages that come into me via Slack. Last example, I need to design and proof social media mockups so that my team can review them when I notify them for approval. Those are specific. Those are real world applications. And let me be clear, it's not like we've forgotten about our purpose and our mission or our objective. Those test scenarios must align with what we've already set as our objective or a purpose. And you can get as specific as you want to because the test scenarios, and you're gonna prioritize them by low, medium, and high, that's my recommendation, is when you have, let's say, a high priority test scenario, like tracking client information in a database, you can get specific if you need to, like, I need that database to also house the PDF contracts that are gonna be signed by my client. Get specific, write down the test scenarios that are most important to you, so that when you begin your testing in the free trial or the freemium version, you have direction. You know what you're looking for, you know what needs to be tested, and then you have a benchmark by which you can evaluate the tool's ability to accommodate your use case and your workflow. And don't forget to determine who's involved. If you're doing this on your own and you're evaluating a tool for your own purposes, if you're a solopreneur or a student or a freelancer, then you might not need to involve anyone. It might just be yourself. But if you're on a team, you're going to want to bring your teammate on board, or your teammates, rather. And you're going to want to consider who's a stakeholder in this. If you're working for a company, most likely you're not just working with your team, hopefully not just working with your team to add something to, you know, finances, books, or to the company's tech stack. You most likely have a list of stakeholders, maybe that's management or executives at the company who are, need to be apprised and understand what it is you're trying to accomplish, how much it's going to cost. So keep in mind your stakeholders and who needs to be involved in the testing process. Not everyone will be testing. Some people just need to be updated and demonstrate the capabilities of the tool to them. But keep in mind those who you want to involve in your testing for sure. And once you have all those items in place for testing, it's time to actually start testing. And here's the most important part about testing. You have a limited time frame if you're working with a free trial. If you're working with a freemium version, so just a free version of the software, you're in luck because you get to test the software overall, some of its features, it's probably gonna cap out, you know, some of the advanced features at a certain amount of usage or whatever the case is. But when you're working with a free trial, you're in a limited time frame. 
Most free trials are 7 days to 14 days to 30 days. It depends. You want to take the duration of your free trial and plan testing within that duration. I call this a test sprint. So you're essentially creating a sprint for testing throughout that time frame. If your free trial is 14 days, that means you have a 14-day test sprint. If it's 30 days, you have 30 days to conduct this test sprint. So make sure you break up that time wisely. And my recommendation is don't click that button that says start free trial until you are ready to start testing the day you press it. Every second counts. I can't stress this enough. Every second counts on that free trial. So when you click that button, make sure you have your testing strategy in place first so that you know exactly how to get started, what to look for, the test scenarios you want to go through, etc. All right, wrapping it up. We're getting closer to the finish line, team. Step six, synthesize your results. You've got all this pros and cons and things that you were testing and your test scenarios, but what good is all that stuff if you're not synthesizing it? And when I mean synthesizing it, I really mean putting it all together and creating a holistic view of what all it means. You have to take your data that you've extracted and then determine what does it mean? You want to analyze based on your evaluation criteria, essentially, and prioritize based on critical factors. What were your most important test scenarios? Did it meet most important use cases? So synthesizing your findings and extracting conclusions are going to help you more effectively select a product that really is catered to your use case and your purpose not the other way around. And step seven is making that final decision. If you've gotten this far, congratulations. I know you're probably just listening to the session right now and listening to this. Hopefully you might be taking notes, but don't worry if you're not, because like I said, I got that bonus that's going to help equip you with everything that I talked about today. But making the final decision is very exciting, but you got to be very careful. Once you get this far in testing, the decision process, one, you don't want to get decision fatigue. That's what I call when you have tons of tools that you were evaluating and you're like, man, which one am I going to choose? I don't know. This is, you know, it's kind of crazy. You don't want to get to that point where making a decision is cumbersome. You have all these tools. You have all this evaluation criteria. Making a decision is now much easier because you have data to back it up. Data you captured in accordance with your purpose and your use case and your test scenarios. So here are a few things to keep in mind when making your final decision. One, keep your purpose at the forefront of your decision making. Sometimes once you have all these cool features that you might have seen and experienced in the tool that you're evaluating, it's easy to lose sight of your North Star, of the overall goal and objective for why you need this tool in the first place. Do not let those fancy bells and whistles move you away from your core need. Then you want to prioritize critical factors based on your use case and your test scenarios. Critical factors, critical factors, not the nice-to-haves, the must-haves. The nice-to-haves come second. You want to ensure it is meeting the needs of your must-haves. If applicable, seek team and stakeholder input. Like I said earlier, important to get people involved if possible. If someone else is being impacted by this new tool, you want to ensure that they have a say in it as well. You also want to consider integrations and connections to the things that you currently use. 
You don't want to get a tool and then find out later it doesn't even work on my iPhone. It doesn't even, it's not even on the Google Play Store. Most tools aren't like that today, but still, whatever you're evaluating, you want to make sure it meets your needs. You use tools. You use phones and devices. Are they going to meet you where you are? Don't ever meet a company where they are. Companies need to meet you where you are. And last is consider cost and budget. Don't forget, at the end of all this, you got a whole bunch of bells and whistles. you got a tool that's meeting your must-haves and your nice-to-haves. Hopefully, you don't have to reconsider this. But when you're thinking cost and budget, just think about, am I going to pay for this? Am I able to pay for this? Is this licensing model realistic for me? And once you decide on your preferred solution, purchase it if necessary. Continue building your workflow using the new tool. We appreciate when you go through our affiliate links at dtechcube.com. That helps us keep the lights on and provide more value to you. But whatever you choose to do, purchase those tools and get started with your workflow. And if you have a monthly subscription, it's even more time to test after you've gone through your initial testing phase. Team, the sky is the limit with how you use the tool in the long run. And if you need to assess more tools, you can start our bonus guide all over again. Listen to this podcast session again and repeat the process for any tool you want to evaluate as part of your digital toolbox. Thank you so much for listening to today's session. I hope it provided value to you and a game plan in establishing how you might go about selecting your next product. So with this, I promised you a bonus. Here's the bonus. I am offering you a comprehensive 30-page guide for free to go along with this podcast session. It's going to be available on dtechcube.com. Also, the link will be in the description of this podcast session. So check the bottom description of this particular episode on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts or on YouTube, and you'll find a link to the resources. And all you have to do is sign up to become a DTech Cuber. Yes, we're also announcing the launch of our new newsletter and the DTech Cuber community. So if you want to join DTech Cube and become a Cuber, all that means is you're going to get exclusive access to resources, guides, templates, a la carte pages for guides, whatever you need to help you along in your journey of your product hunt and more to come. So with that, this session and this guide I'm giving you to help equip you with what you need to select your next product with confidence and with a data-driven approach. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. I hope you take the next week by storm, accomplish your goals and your objectives. Diego out.